Very interesting meditation today. The readings made me go deep. So let's take the first one. It's uh, Acts, which again is my favorite book. It's chapter 5, verse 34 through 42. It's when they all, all the, uh, the council has John and Peter, and they're wondering, what in the heck are we going to do with these guys? We keep telling them not to speak and preach in the name of Jesus, and they just keep going out there and spouting to the world about it. Too many people are believing them and falling into their quote-unquote trap. And there was the head of the Pharisees who said, look, we, we can't do anything with these guys. Let's let them go ahead and do what they have to do. And if they're not of God, just like these other two that thought they were something and people started following him, and then when they died, they fell away. Um, where is it right here in the, in the list? But if it comes from God, if these two are really from God, you will not be able to destroy them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. And I have to look and think into my heart here. Because they didn't die away. Christianity grew to all four corners of the earth. The apostles took it and spread it. And then, you know, created more apostles, more disciples. And that's our job as Christians, to share the good news of Jesus as our Savior, to save all of those that we possibly can through that good news to bring them to Jesus themselves and to be a witness of how amazing life is living with Jesus. And I think I just had to think back to those days. Wow, powerful words. Hey, you know, let's not mess with these two because if they are of God, then we might be going against God. And I I had to think about what did that particular individual, because they name him the head of uh, a Pharisee in the Sanhedrin named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law respected by all the people. I wonder, did he convert? (laughs) I had to sit there and sit with that for a little. But then you get into the gospel and another word just popped out at me. I was like, that is so interesting. Lord, what are you trying to tell me? So the gospel is John chapter 6, verse 1 through 15. And they're sitting, um, you know, in the Sea of Galilee. They went up a mountain and people are following him because of all the signs that he's doing. And it's the Jewish feast of Passover coming, right? They can't buy enough food. All these people are around them. Hey, We don't even have, you know, we would have to have 200 days wages to feed all these people. So, of course, Jesus says, what do you got? What do you got, guys? And they're like, well, here's a little boy who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what is that good going to do for all these people? This is what Jesus says. Have the people recline. Now, there was a great deal of grass in that place. So the men reclined, about 5,000 in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were reclining. And also as much as and also as much of the fish as they wanted. Okay. 
So he breaks the bread and gives it to those who were reclining, tells the people to recline. There's a note that there's plenty of grass in that place, so people couldn't have whined and complained about, you know, leaning back and reclining on, you know, mud and dirt and rocks. And that he took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to those who were reclining. And then adds, and also as much of the fish as they wanted, but made a point of the bread. This is right before, you know, the, the, oh my gosh, what am I saying? The, the bread of discourse, right? This is right before he runs around telling everyone that I'm the bread, I'm the bread, I'm the bread of life, you know, my flesh, eat my flesh. And he makes everyone freak out and a lot of disciples run away. But I have to laugh, not laugh, that's not the right word. I have to sit there and I reflected on recline. If you remember in the upper room, they reclined at table. So back in the day, they didn't have a table that stood up on four legs and they pulled chairs and their legs and their feet were underneath. It was quite the opposite. As a matter of fact, it was a low table. They had um, cushions and pillows around the table and then they leaned forward in on their left elbow toward the table and then their right hand was the one that was able to, you know, reach over and grab the food. So I... I know that that was how it worked at the Last Supper. So when you see those pictures of the apostles and Jesus sitting around the table, it's not exactly how it worked. They were leaning at table because if you remember, they were speaking about Judas and John leaned over and put his head on the chest of Jesus. Well, that's what that's what happened when your arm or something got a little bit tired, you would lean back on the other person or you could have a very intimate conversation by putting your head on that person's chest. And men were very comfortable at this time. There wasn't any kind of weirdness going on, like, what are you doing with your head on my chest type of deal. And of course, these typically it would be nine people around the table. And of course, there were 13 there. They were all squished in. So it was a very intimate group of people, very loving, kind friends, if you will, until Judas left. Uh, anyway, bottom line, a recline. He's asking people to recline and he's giving the bread to people who reclined. I don't know. I just kept thinking, are we reclining? Are we preparing and showing Jesus that we believe in him, that we believe in the Eucharist and the body and blood that transforms us, that is our salvation, God dying on a tree so that we could survive and have everlasting life and have our sins forgiven? Are we showing our faith by reclining? I wonder if there were people on the grass who didn't recline. Maybe they didn't get bread. Because it doesn't say everybody ate. When they all had their fill, he said to his disciples, gather the fragments left over so that nothing will be wasted. But it didn't say that they all ate. It said that the, the loaves were distributed to those who were reclining. So let's make sure that we are reclining, that we profess Jesus as our Lord. And in the first reading, let's remember there's a reason that it didn't die. 
that the faith and the Christian life and Catholicism has not been destroyed. It's taken a hit. It has taken a beating. Satan has done everything he can to take down the church. And it's going to get smaller, y'all. It's going to get smaller. But according to the prophecies and things that I believe in terms of what these people are saying, it will get holier. I would like to offer up reading the book, The the Warning, The Illumination of Conscience. I firmly believe that's going to happen in our generation where Jesus appears in the sky in all of his glory. Every single person on the planet will be stopped in time for approximately 15 or so minutes. Look up, see Jesus, see the Holy Father's face behind him, rays of light, and boom, they are going to see their lives. Every bad thing that they did and every good thing that they didn't do flash in front of them. You will see yourself as God sees you. There will be people that will die from the sadness and the shock of the state of their souls. And there will be others who will be in a good state of grace, but this is the moment that you choose. Are you a follower of Jesus or are you going to follow the darkness? There will be no more chance for you just to be in la-la land like I was for 42 years. I thought about, did I, would I have believed these apostles running around sharing this stuff if I was someone that was in the audience? No, I would have been one of the indifferent ones. I don't need God. I don't need this Jewish thing. I don't need this other thing. I just need me. I need me to make my money and me to take care of myself. And there will be a day we have to make a choice. Let's say the illumination of conscience doesn't happen in our lifetime. We're still going to die. And I believe that there is, from what I heard from a person who is a priest and he has locutions, I'm saying this to everyone just so that you know, and you can believe it or not, it's your your call. I truly believe this man is holy. He said that when you die, if you don't have like mortal sin on your soul, you still have a choice. And you're asked three times, do you want to be in heaven? Do you want to be with me? Do you love me? Three times. That's it. And oddly enough, Jesus told him, many people take until the third time to say yes. I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me. I have said this to my family as well. I said, hey, listen, this is from a priest. He supposedly has locutions. I don't know, but I'm not going to take the chance. Jesus asks you, if you want to come with and be with me, I don't know the exact phrase. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That could be it. Makes sense. It's in the Bible, right? Ask Peter. Boom. The church starts. Feed my lambs. So let's remember to say yes and to be prepared. Make sure that we are in a state of grace. I know a lot of us cannot go to confession. So get that act of contrition. Get on your knees and for, ask God for forgiveness from all the things that you're doing, including your venial sins. There's one more thing I want to add. Last night we were on the radio show and we were talking about prayer. That's my passion, is to help others deepen their relationship with God, to hear God, to discern the spirits around them, to fight the fight with all the tools that we have, and let's walk together. 
Christine and Mark Mallet. Mark wasn't on the show last night, but those are the other two co-hosts. Mark recently joined us, are very into helping people prepare for the end times, not the end of the world, but the end of the time of mercy. And we're going to get into some real trials, some real tribulations, and there's some real information that these um, mystics and popes and priests have prophesied. And so they want to get that truth out, uh, all tying back again to the magisterium of the church and the Bible. And that's countdowntothekingdom.com. And we've had them on the show for a couple of weeks talking about that. But yesterday I said, look, I want people to go into prayer. This is the time for us to dive into our relationship with God even deeper. We're going to go through some crazy stuff. And there, it's part of, I think, what is happening right now. Satan has the the upper hand. He'll never win. Satan thinks he's winning. He will think he won all the way till the end. And then of course the Immaculate Heart of Mary will survive. So that's key. Let's continue to pray the rosary. Let's continue to go toward Mary, ask her to help us through whatever times that we're in right now. But it is critical to continue to pray. If you are not practicing mental prayer, that's a problem. No saint No saint ever became a saint without mental prayer. We must practice mental prayer for two, three, four reasons. Let me give you a couple. Number one, you will not be able to stop sinning without practicing mental prayer. We're talking 15 minutes of meditation. I just explained to you what happened to me. I meditate on things that come out in the readings every day. The word recline was one that I sat with for a while. What does that mean? And I came to, it means that they made a sign to say, it's time to eat. And he passed out the bread first, and then the fish came second. And only, I interpreted, only the people that reclined got food because they believed that they were going to be fed, even though there were 5,000 of them. Jesus fed them after he broke the bread and fed them with his body, right? With the bread of life. I, so there, there are things that come out of the meditation that are messages to us. So we have not so much time to get out there and share our faith with others and to continue to deepen our own faith and our own resolve with Jesus, even through the tough times even through the moments of what is going on in my life. That's why I do this podcast so I can share with you every day what we need, what I'm going through, right? Like, oh my gosh, here, nobody's got this down. All of us have struggles and and peaks and valleys and you could have peaks and valleys in the same day. That's the whole discerning of the spirits every single day. You can go be attacked by the devil five, six, seven times in the day. And have to pull yourself back to the Lord, pull yourself back into into some peace and prayer and kick him to the curb. And the more you do that, the more tired he's going to get and the harder it's going to be for you to fall for those moments where it's him putting those thoughts in your head. It's him stirring up those emotions in your body and constantly trusting in God and falling on God and leaning on God, putting your head on God's chest while you're reclining at table. 
that he is our savior and he's got this. We got to trust him and, and approach him in humility. Last thing. So the prayer thing last night, one thing I've been forgetting to do when I pray my deliverance prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, most important, critical, got to always call on Jesus because it's not us that has the power. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the spirit of fear, the spirit of worry, the spirit of anxiety, the spirit of temptation, the spirit of lust, whatever it is. And I command you to go to the foot of the cross, to the foot of the holy cross. Please put the word holy in there. We talked last night about someone, a nun that Christine knew said that there is a evil spirit named foot of the cross. So we don't want to be commanding the, the spirit, the evil spirits to go to evil because nothing's going to happen to them. So I command you to go to the foot of the holy cross for Jesus Christ to pour his precious blood on you and receive your sentence. That's all I've been saying. I'm forgetting to put into my body, my soul, the final part, which is filling myself with the father's blessing. Because what I'm doing is I'm taking those spirits and I'm getting them out of, out of me and I'm pushing them away and I'm leaving myself an empty house. If you remember the saying where, you know, the, the devil goes and, the, and they leave and the house is all clean. It's, it's all swept up and it's, it's beautiful. And when the spirit comes back, it finds that nobody's taken occupied, nobody's occupied the space. So he brings seven more spirits with him. Like, hey, dudes, we got the whole house to ourselves. Let's go. And they're worse than the first. And that person's in a worse state than they were from the beginning. So it's very important and something that I myself have not been doing for months now. I've just been renouncing the spirits and leaving myself wide open without telling the father, asking the father, father, please fill me with your blessing. It's one step, but it's a critical step because we might be thinking, we might be wondering, why are we not getting out of this, <laughs> right? Why is one day kind of just like the next or a moment to moment, they just keep bombarding me? Let's not forget it. It's, it's, it's really important. And I said it last night. I said, oh my gosh, Christine, praise God for this because I wasn't, I haven't been doing this. Who knows how many Spirits came back with seven more worse than the first. I wonder. I've been struggling with this for so long. Remember, fill yourself with the Father's blessing after you renounce the spirits. Get God to fill up your house. Don't leave it empty. There's no invitation for evil when you bring the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit into your soul. All right, this was a long one. Let's recline today. Let's show our faith. Let's love God in a different way, trust him in a different way, and fight. We are in a battle, spiritually, every moment of every day. Let's not forget to look back on our day and learn where did we fall, where did we make mistakes, because that's all God wants us to do. It's not a, oh, I'm so such a pathetic prayer. I can't keep my mind off of other things. I just give up. No. He wants us to persevere. That word is all over the Bible. Keep going. Keep fighting. Keep pushing yourself through the prayer. Make sure that you set the stinking timer on your phone. Get that 15 minutes focused on God. 
I had mentioned even if the 15 minutes is nothing but you fighting those distractions and keeping your head turning towards God, turning towards God, turning towards God, have a crucifix somewhere to look at or some sort of icon or beautiful object because the continuous fight will mean you prayed well. That's from St. Francis de Sales. Even if that's all you did was fight distractions, it's a prayer well made. And God says, thank you, my faithful servant. It's when we give up after five minutes and we say, I just can't pray. And you go do that other thing. That's when it's a sin. And it is a sin. It's not a mortal sin. But God's like, what's up with that? You just gave up. You know, I don't need people in my army like that. (laughs) Right? And that's what we are. We are in Mary's army fighting for the church and fighting for not only our salvation, but the salvation of our loved ones, our friends, and our family. So let's recline. Let's show our sign that we are ready to receive Jesus in our lives. I know we can't sacramentally right now, but we can spiritually. So let's actually, I'm going to recline after this. I'm going to just go on my elbow Look up and I'm going to say a few prayers and just give him thanks. So let's focus on that. Sorry, this was a long one, but it's deep. It's getting deeper. I hope that you're all going deeper as well. Jesus just wants us to draw closer to him. The closer we draw to him, the more he draws to us. All right, everyone. I love you. Have a blessed and inspired day. Hello, I'm Kendra Von Esch, and you are listening to my 10-minute daily podcast, Reality Reflections. I bought into what this world said would make me happy. Money, prestige, power. And hey, if it feels good, do it, because life is stressful, so party hard. Do whatever makes you happy. But that didn't quite work out, because I felt even more insecure, full of fear, shame, and anxiety, and never, ever good enough. Then God found me and flipped my reality upside down and transformed my life. And I want this for everyone. So I left my executive career to help others find true acceptance, supernatural peace, joy, and love that only comes from a relationship with God. Here is my reality reflection for today.